as, as the heat wave was kind of starting to wind down, um, there was one morning where I was walking my kids to school um, and I looked up at the sky and there should be a picture coming up to show <laughs> what I saw. Um, but it was, um, this, this scene in the sky that I saw was a combination of, you know, the sun that has been beating down on us mercilessly. Um, it was a combination of smoke from wildfires. And then it was also the clouds that were forming that were going to be bringing some rain to us. And so it like gave me pause as I was walking my kids to school. And I just kind of took in the beauty of that while at the same time, like feeling the tension of the fact that uh, that creation is groaning. <laughs> you know, this there is um, a difficult reality behind the beauty that I saw there, right? The wildfires, the, the extreme heat, um, tropical storms. But I just kind of sat in the tension of that. And, you know, as, as I went throughout the week, you know, there were other, other areas where I was kind of feeling that same tension. Um, you know, Queen, Queen Elizabeth II um, died this week, and, and I was seeing on my social media feed, you know, there were some people that were grieving um, the death, the end of this life, the end of a, a long uh, reign, um, and then there were other people that were grieving the colonization and oppression that has come as a result um, of, of the British Empire, and I sat with that tension. And I think even today, you know, it's September 11th, and we remember 21 years ago. Um, we remember that day. We remember the lives that were lost um, in these terrorist attacks. And we grieve that, while at the same time we grieve the lives that have been lost in the war on terror since, in the ways that people um, who are Muslim or sick or of, of Middle Eastern descent have been harassed and oppressed as a result of that. So the reality is that, that we live in a world of tension. And oftentimes we want to run away from that tension, or maybe we want to cling tightly to, to one side of the tension and disregard the other. Um, but I truly believe that God meets us in the tension. That he himself has entered into the, the tension and he invites us to engage tension as well, to sit in it, to wrestle through it with him. And that is what peacemaking is about. And so as we begin this, this new peacemaking series, um, we, hold, we hold the tensions in our world, the tensions within us, the tension in our relationships, um, and trusting that God, God is doing the work of restoration and reconciliation, and he invites us into it. And so with, with that in mind, we start this new peacemaking series. And as Jay said, this is the third year that we've done this. And, and each year, our series is a little bit different. Um, the last two years in 2020 and 2021, we really, we really kind of gave a foundation for the theology of peacemaking um, and explained how we see peacemaking throughout the biblical narrative, why we believe that, that God calls us to be peacemakers, to join in the work of restoration that he's doing. So if you guys weren't around um, for those series, I really invite you to go back and listen. You can find that on the One Life City Church podcast in July of 2020 and July of 2021. Um, and if you, if you were here, but you just need a refresher, it's always a great one to go back to as well. Um, but this year, it's gonna be a little bit different um, where it's, it's not, we've already kind of set that foundation. Um, and now I wanted it to really, to really give like some practical examples of what it looks like. Um, 
And, and so this isn't going to be as like scripture heavy in this series, but what it is, it's really embodied theology. You know, we have, we have studied the scriptures about peacemaking. We have tried to live it out. And so we're trying to give a picture of what that can look like and show a lot of different opportunities. Um, because the reality is it's going to look a little different for each one of us. And so we're going to have, this week and the next couple of weeks, we're going to have a shorter sermon um, from somebody in our community, a peacemaker in our community, um, who has, has been trying to, to live out um, their role as a peacemaker and just kind of sharing a bit from their experience, what they've learned, what's on their heart to share with you. I left it really open um, for our team to kind of come with what they have to share with you. And then at the end of that, we're going to highlight some community partner or some peacemaker, kind of give it some more practical examples of what it can look like and some invitations to invite you guys into. And my hope for this is, is not that you guys uh, sit here and, and listen throughout the next few weeks and feel like you have to respond to every opportunity or you have to engage in peacemaking in the same way as the people that are up here. But what I want is for you to listen and to reflect uh, to see where it is that the Spirit's leading you, whether that is joining into a new opportunity, one of the invitations that we offer, or whether it's just kind of sitting and reflecting on where can I engage in my context that I'm already in right now. And so I wanted, I wanted to start off with um, a definition of peacemaking um, so that we're all kind of on the same page with that because I think there's a lot of different things that come to mind when people think about peacemaking and when they talk about it. Um, and, and the reality is that peacemaking seems like very big and lofty. And I, you know, for the past probably about seven years of my life, I have, I have been intentional about learning about peacemaking. What does it mean to be a peacemaker? How can I join in? Learning about different areas of, of injustice that I can um, step into. Um, not step into the injustice, step into the, the advocacy or restoration part of that. Um, and, and even in that, it's often hard for me to kind of define peacemaking to give a clear definition. And so it was a little bit of a discipline for me as I was sitting and working on this to actually like give some clear language to it. So this is the definition of peacemaking that, um, that we're coming in with. Peacemaking really is partnering with God in the work of restoration by giving of ourselves for the flourishing of all creation. And that, that definition is kind of based on really what I see throughout the biblical narrative, starting with the story of creation, where God created this good and beautiful world um, with abundance. He created us. He was creating shalom in the beginning, this, this completeness where, where there is loving and mutual relationship between people and between people and God, um, where, where we work together with God. We get to co-create with God to bring about his goodness and beauty, to, to work towards the flourishing of each other and all of God's creation. We see in Genesis 12 where, where God called Abraham and his family and he blessed them so that they could be a blessing. Not just for their own benefit, but what he gave to them, it was supposed to be for the well-being and the flourishing of all nations. We see in Luke 4 uh, when Jesus comes on the scene and he introduces his ministry and the way he introduces it, he's quoting Isaiah 61 and he says, I have come to share good news with the poor. 
I have come to set the captives free. I have come to give sight to the blind. He came preaching a gospel of justice. We see it in Ephesians 2, where where Paul explains the gospel in this way, that, that Jesus reconciled us to himself, and he also reconciled us to each other. That he tore down the dividing wall of hostility to create one new humanity out of the two groups. And there, I could go on, there are so many more passages like this. If, and if you want a little bit more of that, again, go back to those, those previous sermon series um, where we go into a little more depth on those. But this is, this is why we talk so much about peacemaking. This is why we value it. And the reality is that peacemaking can look like a lot of different things. Sometimes it looks like repairing relationships that are broken. Sometimes it looks like recognizing the barriers to other people's well-being and addressing those barriers. Sometimes it looks like allowing God to heal the wounds in our own hearts. It can look a lot of different ways, but, but I want for us um, to really walk away from this series owning our identity as a peacemaker. To know that we are each called to be a peacemaker. And you know, as, as passionate as I am about peacemaking, I didn't always consider myself a, peacemaking, a peacemaker. Um, it wasn't until, probably like I said, about seven years ago, I got involved with an organization called Global Immersion, um, which does training for everyday peacemaking. Um, and, as I, and as I heard them start to talk about what that means, I realized that you know, in the role that I was in at Solidarity at the time, I was working for Solidarity, um, this nonprofit that, that's been mentioned. We're going to talk more about it at the end of service. Um, and I had always seen Solidarity as, as this way that I was um, following Jesus, that I was living out my call to love my neighbors. Um, but I finally started to see, like, this is peacemaking. <laughs> what, what I'm doing here, it's peacemaking. I was building relationships across cultural differences. I was helping to address the barriers of my neighbors through tutoring and mentoring, providing access to opportunities. I was advocating for change as, as I heard my neighbors and, and their immigra immigration stories and, and the challenges that they faced within the immigration system. I began to, began to advocate for my neighbors. And all of that was peacemaking. Then about four years ago, um, I quit my job at Solidarity because I felt, I felt that it was, um, that, that my next season was supposed to be being a stay-at-home mom with my kids. Um, something that I had never intended to do, um, something that felt, I, I had a really hard time even calling myself a stay-at-home mom for a while. I was like, I, I don't want that, that title. Um, and the reality was, I, I had had this, this like really clear-cut way of like, this is what peacemaking looks like in my life. And then I stepped away from that and my, my focus was on, on my kids. Most of my time was spent at home or, or right around in our neighborhood. Um, and I really went through like a lot of an identity crisis then. Like, what, is, what does that mean for me to be a peacemaker in this when I don't have any of these formal roles? Um, and early on in that season, as I was wrestling with that, Meg, I look at you and you're already crying and I'm just going to cry too. So um, Meg, my dear friend Meg over here, she had given me um, this like wall hanging that still hangs on my wall um, that said, the most important work you ever do will be within the walls of your home. 
And for me, that was just what I needed to hear. You know, I know for, for other people, you know, maybe you need to hear, you know, the work that you do out there, the way that you're gauging, engaging outside your home is important. For me, what I needed to hear was that because it was so much easier for me to be externally focused um, and harder for me to see the value in, in, in what I was doing in my home. And so I started to see that the, the internal work that I was doing, um, I was doing a lot, of, a lot of processing during that time. I was doing counseling. I was working through some, some different things. That that was peacemaking. My role as a mother and a wife and creating a home um, that, that was safe and nurturing for, for my family, that was peacemaking. The ways that we were able to invite others into our home and have a sp safe space for neighbors to come in, that was peacemaking. And so I just say all this to say, it can look a million different ways, and in different seasons of your life, it's gonna look very different. And as, as I was working and preparing on this, um, I was thinking about our community here. Um, and I was, there were so many of you that came to mind, and I was just thinking of the ways that I see you guys engaging. I was thinking of Cece and, uh, and, and how she has um, created these BIPOC and, and ally groups in her educational context, helping to create more equity and inclusion and safety um, for the students of color in her program. I was thinking of Tom in his role as um, a college counselor and advocating for and supporting undocumented students. I was thinking of Janet as she, in her work as an occupational therapist and the ways that she works with kids with special needs and helping them to develop skills for their flourishing. I was thinking about Sunny and a conversation that I had with her several months ago and as she was talking about in, in her role in, in a business setting and her role of leadership, how she is trying to, to um, elevate the voices of the people working with her, people who have maybe at one time felt like they didn't have a voice, and she is trying to encourage them to speak up. I thought about Vivian in her work as an educator, um, teaching, teaching English to adults, and how she has helped to develop some diversity, equity, and inclusion curriculum within, within her program. I was thinking about Meg, creating a safe and nurturing home for her family, the ways that she holds space for pain and responds with gentleness. I was thinking about Zeke and Julie, a couple of our youth who, who gave up part of their summer um, to participate in Soulful, to be leaders. And as several weeks ago, they were up here and they talked about um, the ways that they got to help cultivate a community um, where people felt belonging and where people felt safe. I thought about Jay Lee and, and his role in, in the business that he works in and the ways that he has been able to leverage the resources of his company to help meet some of the needs of some of the neighbors here in this neighborhood and, and the other neighborhood where Solidarity works. And guys, this is not an exhaustive list. <laughs> that's, just, that's just a few. But what I want you guys to see is that you guys are already peacemakers. You're already doing you're already doing the work. You're giving of yourselves for the flourishing of others. You're participating in the restoration work that God's doing in this world. And I thought about the verse in Hebrews 12 where it says that we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. And that's what this is. 
So you are a peacemaker. That is what you have been invited into. That is the role that you have already been given. It's the identity that you already hold. And the reality is, if, if we think that we have to earn this status of peacemaker, that we're always going to be comparing ourselves to others. And either we're always going to feel like we're not good enough, that we need to do more, or we're going to become self-righteous. Neither of those are really <laughs> going to bring about the, the flourishing, the wholeness that God is desiring. But when we walk in the knowledge that we are peacemakers, we engage in the various interactions and contexts we're in through that lens. We see the areas of brokenness. We lament with God. We listen and learn. We pursue healing and restoration. Oshita Moore says, peace is not a thing to achieve, it's a way of being. And I want to add to that, this, this role of peacemaker, it's, it's not a status to achieve, it is a way of being. When you walk in this identity of peacemaker, you're going to notice so many invitations uh, to step in. And the reality is with <laughs> the way that our world is today with technology and globalization, we are flooded. <laughs> we are flooded with needs. We are flooded with the realities of injustice and brokenness. And with social media, it often presents us a million different ways a million different voices of people telling us, this is how you need to respond. This is what you need to do. And all of that, there's good in that, right? There's good in, in, in us having all these opportunities for awareness. Um, but there's also danger in that. And that for one, our justice work can become very transactional, that we're just doing, checking off, doing the things that, that we've been told that we need to do. Or it can, it can at times become just so overwhelming with all the needs and all the different voices that it really leaves us feeling paralyzed. Um, and I know that I've, I've experienced that myself. You know, I think even just over, you know, 2020, all the, all the different things <laughs> that were going on is there was this greater awareness of, of the racial injustice in our, in our country. Um, and obviously we had the, the pandemic and different responses to that. Um, and so many things, just so many crises around the world that we're, we're coming up. Um, and I know that so often I just got so fixated. Like, I need to know all the things that are going on. I need to figure out how to respond. And that either just, like, created so much anxiety and I'm, like, doing all these things and, and there's not really peace to it, to the peacemaking that I'm trying to do, um, or it would just leave me feeling paralyzed. Like, it's too much. It's all too much. I think too, even, um, you know, a lot of you know this, this cohort uh, that I just recently finished up, I, I was part of a cohort of leaders involved in reconciliation work um, over about four or five months, and, and it was an incredible time, um, so much goodness in that, well, at the same time, there was a lot of content that we were being fed, and I am, I'm hearing about all these different areas of reconciliation. I'm, I'm in conversations with people doing incredible work all over the world. Um, and one thing that I noticed throughout the time was that this anxiety kept rising up in me because I'm like, well, I'm not doing that and I'm not doing that and this person's doing this incredible work. I'm not doing that. So can I really even call myself a peacemaker? And so I had to work, work through that. And I think that that's part of the process. As we engage in peacemaking, there's going to be things that stir up inside of us. And 
And that's not, um, that's not a mistake, that's not a hindrance, but that's, that's part of what it is. As we engage in peacemaking externally, there's also this internal process going on and the two influence one another. But if peacemaking is a way of being, we will not try to manufacture peace in order to prove ourselves, but we will be open and attentive to the invitations of peacemaking that we encounter as we go about our lives. That might look like as you get to know someone from a different background and you learn about the barriers that they're facing, that you'll wanna learn more. You'll wanna accompany them and advocate for them. It might look like when you experience conflict in your relationships, that you'll take time to listen, to try to understand, to speak your truth, and to work together toward the common good. It might look like when you feel anxiety or anger stir in your heart, that you'll pay attention to that, that you'll listen to what those emotions are telling you, that you'll take time to sit in those emotions with God, and maybe with a therapist or a spiritual director or a friend, and seek healing from the wounds below the surface. We are all called to be peacemakers. The way that it looks in our lives is going to be different for us, depending on our giftings, our relationships, our contexts, our passions, our capacity. In 1 Corinthians 12, uh, Paul talks about the diversity of the body, both the diversity and the unity, how, um, how the Spirit has given each person different gifts and how we need each one of those. Together, we work together as the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12, uh, starting in verse four, it says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. Continuing on later in, in verse 21, it says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. The parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. God has given us each these different giftings, and it's not just for our own benefit, and honestly, it's not just for the benefit of the church. It is for the benefit of the world, that God has designed each of us uniquely so that we can give out of who he's created us to be for the common good. That we would show equal concern for one another. That we suffer when others are suffering. That we rejoice when others are rejoicing. We are each created to partner with God and with each other in caring for all of creation and restoring the world to the shalom that God created in the very beginning. We each play a role that's aligned with who God created us to be. So we need the prophets who are calling out the injustice they see and calling us to a better way. We need the activists who are disrupting oppressive systems. We need the quiet and gentle spirits who are creating space for others to be seen and feel safe. 
We need the helpers who are giving of their time to deliver meals or tutor kids. We need the networkers who are connecting their resources to the needs. We need you, each one of you, to live out your role of peacemaker in the unique ways that God has created you, in the unique context and relationships that you find yourself in. And so as, as we end this portion and, and as we move into um, the rest of our series, um, I wanted to leave you guys just with some questions. Again, we're going to be throwing a lot of different, <laughs> different opportunities and things at you. Um, but I want you, as you hear these different things, I want you to really sit with the Spirit um, and really ask where the Spirit's leading you, how the Spirit wants you to engage in peacemaking in the context that you're in. And so we have a few reflection questions you can um, just think about, come back to um, throughout the series or, or anytime, really. Um, but what are the areas in your life where you feel stuck? Maybe emotions or anxiety that keep surfacing, areas of tension, pain points, areas that God might want to, to do some healing and restoration in you. What are relationships in your life that are strained or broken? What area of injustice breaks your heart the most? What are the barriers that your friends and neighbors are experiencing? And this last one, especially if maybe you're the friends and neighbors that you're thinking of, if they all look and think a lot like you, what are the barriers separating you from others? So those are just things that we can continue to come back to and just see how the Spirit's prompting, prompting us. Would you guys pray with me? Um, God, we thank you that you are a God of peace, um, that from the very beginning you have been creating your shalom. You have created us to, to both experience your shalom and partner with you to cultivate more of it, God. We thank you that you have given us each other, that we are your body, that we have this cloud of witnesses, that we partner together with each other and with you um, to do this work to help bring your restoration on earth, God. And I pray that, that, you would, that you would speak to each one of us, that you would affirm our identity as peacemakers, that you would make us aware of the ways that, that we're already doing peacemaking in our lives, and that you continue to invite us into new opportunities that you have for us, God. Thank you, God, for your love.